This episode of the Reality Check Podcast is brought to you by my book, How to Get Your Shit Together, the last self-help book you will ever need. In my personal, realistic, and down-to-earth style, I share what it takes to survive the impact of mental illness and childhood trauma. To go from a place of barely surviving to passionately thriving. I draw from my lived experience with mental illness, childhood trauma, and the recovery process, providing practical advice, tips, and techniques for overcoming anxiety, defeating depression, moving on from trauma, getting organized, finding meaning, and following your dreams. How to get your shit together has the potential to turn your life around, to improve your mental state, functionality, and overall health. It's out now as a paperback, ebook, and audiobook. And you can grab yourself a copy via the link in the show notes. The Reality Check Podcast is brought to you by Kamigo, the world's first patented technological device that provides quick relief for anxiety, stress, and panic attacks by combining three scientifically proven methods that activate the parasympathetic nervous system and calm the body. The Kamigo provides adaptive breathing regulation. It measures the depth of your breath and provides you with feedback to help slow down your breathing and thus calm you down. It does this through multisensory stimulation, which acts as a form of present state awareness and grounding. And it also employs aromatherapy, adding a calming scent to provide therapeutic relief for rapid relaxation. I use the Kamigo daily at the start of my meditation sessions to help calm me down and focus me. And I also use it at night as a way to de-stress, relax, and move into a peaceful night's sleep. Reality Check Podcast listeners will receive $30 off their order with the coupon code ZACKPPHILLIPS or via the link in the show notes. Can't you hear my silent screams? Can't you see the ropes sway? My head is too heavy to cradle in your arms. I'm loath to drive you away. The bridges we walked hand in hand. You returned in secret to burn. Thus my fate is bound to yours. Now the mirror's eye has learnt to yearn. I was blinded by the shine of your porcelain hand shake. Fooled into believing that nothing would ever cause us to break. The memory of our time apart, like the returning of a playground swing, pushing against fate itself, forever cursed to sing. Oh, how I learnt to hold on to all those toxic tears, created and then faced together, you and I embodying each other's fears. The embers of last night's fire lie discarded in their pit, Smouldering as we danced around, no chairs left on which to sit. So, that was a poem that I just finished today, called Forever Cursed to Sing. It'll be released in, I don't know, next year, sometime, in another collection. But I wanted to talk about the inspiration behind it and what it means for me, because it's poignant 
You know, I write a lot of poetry and every piece is special and important and feels like it must be written. But sometimes, sometimes pieces of poetry really just come with a bang. They stick. Or in this case, the writing of it is therapeutic, to say the least. It's an expression. It's completion. It's a finishing of the circle. It's uh, it's what I want to be doing. So I felt compelled to share it with you. And this, this poem, I mean, you know, I read it to you before I give you my thoughts about it because, you know, the interpretation of the art is, is part of the consumption of the art. And if, and when I do share my feelings about it, it may sway your opinion of it. But nonetheless, or rather that is your prerogative to take away. You can choose to interpret things how you like. And that's part of the beauty. But I also find there's some interesting things to be said when you look into the artist's meaning. So what I wanted to express with this is the feeling of enmeshment with an abuser or a toxic relationship. You know, the people in your life that aren't good for you, but nonetheless you feel compelled to have them, to keep them, to treat them better than you should. The people who have hurt you, and you may have hurt them, but you circled the drain together. You can't help but escape, because perhaps the way that they treat you feels like love in its own twisted and dark way. Perhaps the way they treat you feels like home, because your home life wasn't good. Because what they offer you is a less extreme version of the pain and trauma you felt. There's something something to be said about cycles. Cycles of abuse, of trauma, of addiction. Of abuse. You know, when you're growing up, what you see your parents doing, or the people raising you doing, is what you believe to be normal. It's literally impacting how your brain rewires itself, the connections, how it fires, how it responds. You know, every little thing that happens is wiring that brain. And if you've been raised by someone who has had trauma, addiction, abuse, chances are, and like, you know, we all, we've all, just to be clear here, every person you meet isn't full, isn't total. We are all broken in some capacity, and thus we will all impact the world and and potentially cause further harm. You know, we can't avoid this. I've uh, long learned to forgive myself for the pain that I will cause other people, despite my best intentions, for I am human. But there is a distinction to be made here between that normal level of impact, for lack of a better expression, versus those of us that have been raised in an abusive, neglectful, troubled home. Long-time listeners will know, and short-time listeners, I talk about it all the time. <laughs> um, I I was raised, my father was an addict, a drug dealer, issues, 
had to deal with the clientele coming to the house. Lots of complex trauma, lots of actual trauma. Other issues in other aspects of my life. I left home early, 16, running, feeling like the world was confusing, but feeling like home was unsafe, feeling like the world would fall out from underneath me, the rug of safety would be pulled out from underneath me, feeling like I couldn't stop, that I didn't know what was there. And I've been running like this for years. And and I guess this poem has been accumulating due to various interactions and my introspection on those interactions, my relationships, past and present, things that have just fallen apart catastrophically. I have a way of cutting and running. You know, you're either everything to me or nothing, or at least that's what I used to be like, in this black and white thought. Because, yes, of course, you know, you do something wrong and bam, that triggers me and makes me feel like everything is wrong. Makes me feel like, well, the trauma is happening again, right? But with therapy, with introspection, with meditation, with growth, with writing, I'm learning to step back away from that, to see when I'm triggered. I can't stop the triggering, but I can see it. I'm starting to realize that one of the core issues I have is feeling like I'm unseen, feeling like people don't see me, they don't acknowledge me, they don't recognize that I'm in pain, that I'm struggling. But also, I recognize that I hold back, that I don't share that I'm afraid to be vulnerable, that I'm afraid to put myself out there. You know, yes, I can do this online. I share my poetry, my words, my vulnerability in an online space. But I mean in the moment. I mean with those very close to me, personal life, family. It's terrifying. It's ego-reducing. It's triggering at its core sense. I had a conversation with my mum, a few of them in a row actually, more deeper, more lovely, more thorough, more connected than I felt to her in years, maybe for 20 years, literally. And I was afraid to connect. I was afraid to have these conversations because I was afraid of the same cycles happening again. Me saying something and falling or feeling like I'd fall into the same patterns that I ran from as a kid. But to her credit, she was there for me. She spoke to me. She listened. She saw. And frankly, I was shocked. I was shocked that she was capable of that. And then I realized, it's like, oh, I've done growth. I've been growing. I've changed. And perhaps, clearly, she has too. We both have. And then I wondered, I'm like, okay. Maybe there is more that I can salvage here. Maybe I can come back and open and be honest despite the trauma. You know, because it's not about blame. It's not about apologies. It's not about any of that. It's about who we are now. She mentioned something to me. She mentioned that, like, yeah, like sometimes you seem super happy and vibrant and, you know, fun, whatever. But then other times, or all of a sudden, you shut off. And you're gruff and you look away and and I'm like, yeah, like in that moment, I'm literally being triggered. I've been traumatized. I'm reliving trauma. You know, my mind is elsewhere. When that's happening, I just want to run. I just want to hide. I just want to flee. It's all too much. 
because in my mind I'm reliving that trauma and it's terrible. And she asked me probably the best thing you could ask, which is to, well, in that moment, what can I do for you? So I told her, I need to feel seen. I need to feel safe. I need to feel like, well, grounded. It was beautiful. And whilst all of this was happening, some other stuff has been happening in my life. For a variety of reasons, my household's income has effectively halved within the space of a week. Halved. Now, I'll work on finding alternative employment. So will my partner. I'll be able to get support from people to sort of deal with that gap. I've got some savings. (sighs) But far out, it is stressful. It is absolutely terrifyingly stressful. But interestingly enough, it taught me a few things. I've seen the writing on the wall that this may happen. You know, for the last couple of months, I was like, okay, this could happen, but I didn't know. There's anxiety. There's confusion. There's concern. This won't this. Will this won't this. And what has happened is not the worst outcome, but it's pretty bad. But in the lead up, I was actually more stressed about the problem than I am now. And I think it's because the question's been answered. I can see the problem. It's right there. As opposed to the ambiguity of issue. Right? There's an ambiguity around the unknown. But now that the problem has revealed itself, the income has been halved. It's like, okay, there's the problem. It's here. I can address it. And ironically, it's taught me a lot about myself. That's like, okay, I operate well under pressure. I have been consistent. I can be consistent. And it's inspired me to do a lot more of my online work on my online space. To put out more, to do more, to act more, to hustle more. Because I have to now. Not saying I wasn't doing much beforehand, but I honestly feel that I will have less time to do what I want to do in this space. Across the board with my writing and poetry and all that stuff. But I actually ironically think I'll get more done. Because my attitude towards getting stuff done will will have improved. So I guess, and I do so sincerely hope that the financial situation resolves and moves itself around. But if it doesn't, well, then it doesn't. But I will push. I will push. I've, um, for those that follow me on the Kink Sex Positive Instagram account, I've started pushing the Patreon. And I've gotten, I think, 17 signups in the last couple of weeks, which is absolutely incredible, mind-blowing. I've started releasing my poetry, the erotic poetry, that is, as um, merch. You know, posters, cups, t-shirts, that good stuff. I've doubled down on the Kinky Conversations podcast. I'll put links to all of this stuff in the bio, by the way. I've 
gotten a couple of coaching clients. I do coaching for all the stuff I talk about here, mindset coaching primarily, but also yeah, more more technical advice on how to build up a following, website design, um, self-improvement, um, everything down the relationship and kink, sex, positive stuff, meditation, basically anything I'm talking about, I'm teaching. A couple of sign-ups to that. And just a lot of little things. And it's just interesting to see that, you know, if I hustle, if I put in work, if I do, well, more stuff. More stuff will come. I just wish that I had had this mindset last year or the year before. So I could have acted from a place of more security. But perhaps I just needed that little push to step the gear up once more. So yeah, it's interesting how things work. Having having the anxiety spell it, spelled out for me actually makes me easier able to function. It's like it's easier to see the enemy, to deal with an enemy you can see as opposed to the enemy you can't see. So what I'm going to do now is read you that poem that I wrote at the, right at the start, Forever Cursed to Sing. I'll put a link to it so you can have a read of it. And then after that, I'm going to play you a chapter from the book, How to Get Your Shit Together. You can have a read, you can check it out, and if you like it, you can buy a copy. It's out as a paperback, ebook, and audiobook. I would also encourage you to just, yeah, have a look at the show notes, and I'll put down all of the links to the stuff I've mentioned. But anyway, Forever Cursed to Sing. Can you hear my silent screams? Can you see the ropes sway? My head is too heavy to cradle in your arms. I'm loath to drive you away. The bridges we walked hand in hand. You returned in secret to burn. Thus my fate is bound to yours. Now the mirror's eye has learnt to yearn. I was blinded by the shine of your porcelain handshake. Fooled into believing that nothing would ever cause us to break. The memory of our time apart like the returning of a playground swing. Pushing against fate itself. Forever cursed to sing. Oh, how I've learnt to hold on to all those toxic tears. Created and then faced together, you and I embodying each other's fears. The embers of last night's fire lie discarded in their pit, smouldering as we danced around, no chairs left on which to sit. And now, a chapter from the book, How to Get Your Shit Together. Chapter 6.6. Keep turning up. Good things are coming down the road. Just don't stop walking. Robert Warren Painter, Jr. I love writing. Fiction in particular. But it took years of idle dreaming before I had the confidence to even pick up a pen. How could I possibly start? I had some ideas, but I didn't think I could manage it. The endeavour seemed too large. What authors do seemed so far beyond my reach that it bordered on the impossible. A great author creates an interesting, deep, and internally consistent universe, fills it with rich and diverse characters, adds the spark of conflict, change, or growth, and then presses play, subtly guiding the course of events. The author then has to record what they observe unfolding in their fictional universe, and express it in a way that other people can glimpse it. Well-written fiction is seamless and immersive, 
the reader is transported into the author's universe. Accepting the world and the characters within, and embracing the story in its entirety. Excited to see what happens next. Eventually, I got up the courage and attempted to write. Before starting, I got myself as prepared as possible. I ensured that I was adequately fed, warm, and free of distractions. My laptop was on, and Microsoft Word was open. I put a pillow on the chair for added comfort, and sat down, ready and eager to create. This was it. I was about to start what I hoped would be my first masterpiece. But, when I looked at the blank page, I was stumped. How could I possibly turn that into a story? Despite all the years of dreaming, all of my preparation, and all of my hopes for success, I failed. After numerous false starts, the blank page remained blank. I had hundreds of vague ideas that I wanted to express, but I lacked the talent or the clarity to bring them into reality. It was frustrating, and reminiscent of my attempts at other forms of artistry and creativity. The gap between what my mind wanted to create and what I was capable of creating felt insurmountable. I was discouraged, but I didn't quit. I knew that nobody is born with world-class talent. No matter the person, no matter the industry, and no matter how far ahead of the pack they currently are, they were not born there. Every author that I've ever read started somewhere, and likely faced the same issues that I was currently facing. Yet they were able to push through and succeed. This realisation set me on a journey of discovery. I wanted to know what they knew, and importantly, how they were able to develop the skills that I currently did not possess. I wanted to see what the common traits, habits, and actions of a successful author are, and then hopefully replicate them. In order to do this, I listened to them talk, read their autobiographies, and watched them being interviewed. Despite the differences in their style and genre, all of the authors repeatedly gave the following advice to prospective authors. If you want to be a writer, read and write a lot. This simple message was repeated over and over and over again. It was uncanny. Every single best-selling author insisted that the best thing you can possibly do each day is to read and write. When pressed, they of course delved into their daily rituals, preparations, and other habits. But at the core, their advice was always the same. Read and write every day. Be consistent. Keep turning up. Hearing this, I decided to persist. I was already reading daily, so I only now had to force myself to write more. I just needed to push through the initial phase of inability until I developed the skill set to create something worthwhile. I decided to throw caution to the wind and just start. Knowing full well that what I would produce in those early days would be terrible, but necessarily so. I knew that if I kept pushing through and kept writing each day, I would eventually get better. Over time, I was able to scratch out some poetry and then some short fiction. As my confidence grew, I decided to attempt to use my writing as a way to help myself through some of the more deep-seated mental afflictions by writing about the trauma of my past. This eventually became my first book, Under the Influence Reclaiming My Childhood. From there, I went on to create my first fiction novella, Upgrade, which is an anthology of short stories taking place in a dystopic future. I chose to present that story as an anthology because I recognised my own limitations as a writer. I didn't yet have the skills necessary to write a complete novel. I knew that the story and the universe I wanted to create, but I also knew that I still wasn't at a stage in my abilities that I could hope to express onto the page what I had in my mind. So I chose a different approach. 
the collection of short stories that made up Upgrade were individually within my capacity as a writer, and collectively they told the story that I wanted to tell. My next attempt at fiction will hopefully be a step further towards my ultimate goal. Writing this book has been a mammoth undertaking. It just kept growing. It felt like a multi-headed hydra, as every time I finished a chapter, it felt like two new ones would pop up, needing to be written. I knew that the only way that I could possibly finish something like this was by turning up each day and putting pen to paper. It was slow progress, but slow progress is better than no progress at all. If I quit halfway, I would have nothing. If I had stopped when it became difficult, I would have had nothing. It is exceedingly obvious, but it needs to be stated out loud. The only way this book exists, and that you are listening to it right now, is because I didn't quit. In fact, the only reason anything exists, or anything is accomplished, is because its creators didn't quit. They kept turning up, consistently working, overcoming failures, and pushing through setbacks until the job was done. Remember that person who gave up? Nobody does. Anonymous. There is a simple truth that most people fail to accept. If you want to be successful at anything, you have to keep turning up. It isn't only best-selling authors that attribute their success to keeping on turning up. It is almost every successful person on the planet. Watch an interview with world-class performers, top-level business executives, elite athletes, successful musicians, actors, and artists, and you'll see the same thing. Despite all coming from different backgrounds and focusing on dramatically different endeavours, they all claimed that they are successful because they kept turning up. They worked when others rested. They persisted when others quit. They pushed through repeated failures and setbacks. They recognised that only they can change their lives. They prioritised their goals and put future success in front of short-term pleasure. Take action. Research the origin story of five world-class performers. It doesn't matter what field, industry, or profession they come from, as long as they are or have been at the top. Alternatively, look up videos of them talking about their success. Take note of the commonalities between them, particularly on their attitudes to hard work, persistence, and overcoming failure and setbacks. It is clear that world-class performers do face the same challenges, hurdles, and setbacks that we all do. But unlike most people, they persist. They keep going when other people stop. They put in the hard work and never quit. Their journey to success may be long and winding, but eventually they got there. You'll have noticed that most of them failed many times before they were successful. And if they had given up when they failed, they would have never been the successes that they currently are. Success only comes from consistent hard work. Most people fail, not because of lack of desire, but because of lack of commitment. Vince Lombardi Watch a young child progress through the milestones of talking, eating, crawling, walking, swimming, tying their shoes, and so on. They consistently fail, but by watching, mimicking, and through continual trial and error, they eventually succeed. For kids, there are no shortcuts to be found. If they want to walk, they have to keep trying. These feats don't seem all that impressive, because we now do them with ease. Yet the lessons of how we acquired those necessary life skills can be applied to excelling and achieving greatness. 
a distinction needs to be made between beating your head against a brick wall and effective personal development. By keep turning up, I'm not saying to keep trying the one approach, hoping it will be successful. I mean that you need to persist in pursuit of the goal, but not necessarily by only using the first method you try. If you keep working at your craft, attempting new approaches when the old ones fail, continually asking for feedback, always working on self-development and always learning new things, success will come. No other option is possible. Take exercise for example, specifically the goal of getting stronger. You need to lift weights and eat plenty of protein if you want to increase your muscle mass. There is no way around these two requirements. However, there are many different types of lifts, exercise plans and approaches to gym work, as well as a plethora of dietary options and advice that you could try. Provided you don't stop exercising, you will eventually reach your goal. It may require innumerable tweaks. However, if you persist, if you keep turning up, you will eventually find a combination of diet and exercise that works for you. In this case, keep turning up means regularly going to the gym, putting in quality training sessions each time, but also continually researching, adapting, and considering the best ways to add on muscle mass. Take playing the guitar, for example. The only way to get good is by practicing it every day. The more time you have your hands on the instrument, the better you will be at it. Ideally, it will eventually feel like an extension of your body, something you were almost born with. But to get to that level requires hours of work, repeated failures, and an initial inability to use it properly. In this case, keep turning up means practicing daily, as well as looking up tutorials or paying for regular lessons with a professional. You may need to change teachers many times until you find the right one for you. Even something as mundane as maintaining a clean house requires you to keep turning up. You need to plan where your household items will live when not in use. Bins need to be taken out. Dishes need to be washed and kid toys need to be put away. The bed needs to be made daily. Toilets need to be scrubbed and floors vacuumed. There is dusting, polishing, bleaching, cleansing and maintenance. Sure, you can let some things go for a while, but sooner or later you will have to address those emissions. A clean house requires hard work and consistent effort. Don't count on motivation. Count on discipline. Jocko Willink While motivation is an amazing tool, it is transient and unreliable. It is hard, if not completely impossible, to stay motivated 100% of the time. You can read all of the self-help books, or look at all the quotes, listen to the music, repeat the marches, slap yourself, or do any number of other motivating actions, but eventually your motivation will drop. In fact, your motivation to even do those actions to motivate yourself in the first place will drop. Trying to stay continuously motivated is like trying to stay continuously happy. You can do it for a while, but eventually you will have to come down to a lower, calmer level of functioning. This is where discipline comes in. This is self-imposed discipline. It is making a plan, sticking to a structure or a routine. On this geared towards your goals and dream attainment. I exercise daily, but I'm not always motivated to do so. On those days, waking up early and going to the gym is a struggle, but I force myself to do it anyway. I get myself to the gym, do the workout and continue with my day. Although I don't want to that day, 
I know that deep down, I have goals that I want to accomplish that require me to train daily. I know that if I waited until I was motivated enough to go to the gym on my own accord, I'd probably train only half as much as I currently do. The same thing is true for my diet, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu training, learning to speak the Russian language, meditation, as well as with my writing. I know that unless I stay consistent, keep turning up, and being disciplined enough with everything I value, I stand no chance of being successful. Relying on motivation is folly. Think back to all of your half-started projects and ventures that failed as soon as you lost your initial motivation. The better approach is to work out what you want and what you need to get it. You should then set up your life in a way that if you stick to that approach, you will get it. Then all you need to do is put in the work. Of course, this approach needs to be balanced for you as an individual, taking into account your starting point, mental afflictions, personality, and personal life circumstances. Make sure that you're guarding your mental state at all costs. However, these changes must be made, because by not making them, you run the risk of stagnation and subsequent failure. Attempt to pursue your dreams as it makes life worth living, and be disciplined enough to keep turning up when your initial motivation fails. This could mean waking up earlier or going to bed later, or conversely getting more sleep. It could mean scheduling specific alone time to dedicate towards your craft. It could mean speaking to a therapist, life coach, or organizer to help with maintaining appointments. It could mean asking a friend to keep you accountable or joining a support group for mutual support. It could mean reading, researching, and undertaking extensive personal development. It could involve cutting caffeine, alcohol, porn, gambling, drugs, or toxic people completely from your life. Whatever involves for you, take the time and put those actions into place. Be consistent and disciplined, and no matter what, keep turning up. Take action. The purpose of this take action is to get you to start imposing a very small amount of self-discipline each day. The goal being to show you that taking small consistent steps can lead to big changes. All you need to do is consume one extra glass of water every morning. That's it. Not only is drinking water ridiculously important for your health and mental functioning, but drinking one glass does not take much effort to perform. It can be easily done upon waking and planned for the night before by pouring yourself one before bed. This one act of self-discipline completed each day could be life-changing. Not only will you feel physically better as a result, but you will also be taking ownership of your life and making a consistent effort to improve yourself. Once you've added the glass of water to your morning routine successfully, incrementally add the following to your day. Make your bed as soon as you get up. Clean the dishes each night before bed. Do five minutes of exercise each morning. Read 10 pages of that book before bed. Do 10 minutes of meditation each day. These are small and simple acts, but they represent a catalyst for life change. By doing these small things each day, you will develop the necessary skills for your larger dreams, as well as the capacity to keep turning up. Hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. Kevin Durant It is impossible not to realise that whenever you encounter a successful person, you are seeing them where they are now, not where they've come from. You don't get to see their failures, setbacks and personal doubts. You weren't there for any of that. In fact, the only reason that you've even heard of them is because they kept turning up and worked on their craft for years prior. 
and this you account for the thousands of hours per day they spent practicing, and all of the failures they pushed through, you may falsely assume that it was just a combination of lucky breaks and natural talent that got them there. If success is only luck and natural talent, then there is truly nothing you can do to change anything in your life. But that is simply not the case. People change their fortunes all of the time, not by luck, but through consistent hard work. I'm not saying that you need to perform at an elite level. Rather, I'm saying that you should attempt to learn from elite performers, to look at their approach to success and implement it into your life. That is, to keep turning up, be consistent, and work on your faults and impose self-discipline. If you do this, you won't fail. Frequently Asked Questions I'm not seeing the results that I want, even though I keep turning up. Try tracking your results. Sometimes the results can be so incremental that we fail to notice them. I find that tracking my starting point and checking it against it is a good guide to improvement. It is amazing to see how far I've come, despite feeling like I haven't moved at all. Additionally, perhaps you need to keep turning up in the form of researching alternate methods to achieve your goals. Perhaps your current approach is not ideal and could be tweaked to use a slightly different method. It is important to note that in some areas, success can take years or even a lifetime of commitment. I would suggest that you look into the stories of other people who have come before you and investigate how long it took them to start seeing results. Perhaps what you are experiencing is normal. If not, look towards those experts for specific advice on how to make progress. Just don't stop. I find it hard to keep turning up. I lose motivation, and after a while, the goal seems unimportant. You have to accept that getting really good at something requires a lot of time and effort. You'll have to keep turning up, and sometimes you won't like it. Sometimes, it will feel like a chore. On those days, I like to remind myself of why I'm choosing to do what I'm doing, and where it will lead me. The other possibility is that you don't actually value the goal as much as you think you do. Or maybe you have a romanticized version relating to accomplishing the goal and have not truly considered the effort that it would take to achieve it. Only you know if you seriously want to achieve the goal and if you really value it at your core. If you don't value it, consider changing paths sooner rather than later. I'm not a natural in anything. Other people have such a head start over me. That may be the case but that means that you will also learn skills of perseverance, effort, and determination. When you see improvement and become successful, you will know where you've come from, and the satisfaction will be much greater. Even if people are naturally better than you, they will still have to put in the work, or else they will eventually be overtaken. If you keep turning up, you will see improvements, and given enough time, those improvements will translate into success. Summary Keep persisting towards your goals. Recognize that it is only through years of experience, work, and overcoming failure and setbacks that you will be successful. If you quit, you guarantee your failure. That was a chapter from the book, How to Get Your Shit Together. It's out now as a paperback, ebook, and audio. Links to that and everything else mentioned in the show notes.
Have a great day.